Hello and welcome to another edition of Chesapeake Hockey Week. I'm your host, Scotty Waz. How are you guys doing? Welcome to spring. It has sprung and uh, we're getting down to it. It's the nitty gritty and we are uh, we're doing something here. We're doing something here. It's end of the year, so we'll do some season reviews. This week we'll do with uh, Team Maryland, uh, the Stevenson men and women in the NCAA. And we'll also cover Navy's women's squad having their turn at the Natties in St. Louis. We'll talk all about their adventures there, but we will go first to the Maryland Black Bears who traveled up to Middletown, New Jersey, which they will make another trip at the end of this road trip, sandwiching uh, the, New Jersey's the bread to this travel sandwich for the Black Bears. And, boy, it was it was disappointing. Let's not mince words. It was uh, not a great time. Well, we were not having a Baja blast, as people on TikTok would say. We'll start off with Friday's game, and, uh, you know, things got a little inauspicious as New Jersey gets right off the hop. They get they were able to break in on a two-on-one very quick, uh, and then, you know, next thing you know, a Chris Carroll and Levante Karish test two-on-one turns into a Anthony Calafiore rebound goal, making it one nothing. 56 seconds in. Uh, New Jersey, you know, they're the top team in the East and top team in the league for a reason. So getting off to those quick starts is something that they are noted for and something that needs to be watched out for. And, uh, you know, it happens. Uh, Black Bears kind of woke up from there. Getting more chances. Aiden Bruich, Laker Aldrich uh, getting the uh, chances in deep. But Ben Charette was, uh, you know, he was solid to start off this game. Uh, but uh, after media timeout, that's when Maryland kind of got things going. Uh, Tyler Young, right off the bench, into the slot area. Elliott LaRoe wins a board battle in the corner, throws it out to the slot. Tyler Young pots it home, and uh, we got a tie game. Tyler Young's 11th LaRoe, 16th assist. Ryan Bottrell, his 39th assist from there. Maryland keeps on plugging away at the system, drawing some penalties as well, and they make short work of uh, this power play that they had late in the first. Um, only four seconds it took before Tyler Young came off the half wall of a pass from uh, Jack Blanchett, who was at the point, passed it right down the half wall. Young whips around to the slot, whips it home for his second of the game, 12th of the year on that power play. Blanchett, his 10th assist, and Jesse Horacek winning the draw, uh, his eighth assist as Maryland goes in 2-1 into the first intermission. Hot start for the Titans again. Uh, quick chances against Luca DePasco. DePasco, though, able to stop the stop uh, the onslaught for the time being. And then shifted directions for Maryland. Charette was strong uh, to keep it a one-goal game. But another power play before the halfway point of the second period allowed Maryland again to get a power play goal. The power play was clicking on Friday night. You'll love to see it, especially this late. And uh, tapping in front, and who else? Tyler Young for the Natty Poe, Hattie there, horn, as he puts up his 13th of the year, third straight goal. So a literal Natty Poe, Hattie uh, on the power play. Brandon Piku, his 30th assist. Jacob Brockman, his 19th assist. And Maryland up 3-1. to one. Uh, Sixth hat trick in Black Bears history is first since Vlad, Vlad Poligoshko had one against Corpus Christi in the showcase, the first game of the showcase. This year, two penalties for the Maryland Black Bears there after that. So trying to, uh, you know, almost give the game away, I would say, just by penalties, rightly or wrongly. They're going to get called one way or t'other. 
but Maryland's penalty kill was solid in this. They were able to hold the Titans at bay, and they had a two-goal lead into the uh, the third period there. But again, uh, a power play with, four, with 16 seconds left in the second period, and then another uh, power play, you know, just back-to-back as things were going on there. Uh, but Maryland staved off those power plays, including a, a, a mini five on three. Uh, but right after the Ryan Bottrell penalty uh, expired, Michael Young, the other Young, uh, pot at home his uh, 18th, 19th of the season, rather. And uh, loose puck at the side of the net, just unchecked. As the penalty expired, Titans are within one. And Maryland was just held at bay in this. Only one shot on goal in the third period. Not able to break out of their zone much. Not able to get anything past the neutral zone. Uh, it was almost like it, it just something happened. Just something clicked where the New Jersey Titans just had a magnet on their sticks. They were just picking pucks off left and right. And the dump and chase wasn't as effective as Maryland could have hoped. And then, you know, the Titans just start firing on net. They get chances. They turn they, they create in the neutral zone, break into the offensive zone, and then with the goalie pulled and 101 remaining, Brenda Dumas rips one home pass to Pasco. And we got ourselves a tie hockey game in this three to three on Dumas's eighteenth of the year. Hits I think it hits something in front, a defender in front for Maryland. Uh, but uh it all counts the same on the box score. So we got a tie game going into overtime. And Maryland had a couple chances in OT. They had some good possession, uh, you know, being able to keep control of the puck. And then New Jersey gathered up possession. They only had two shots, and one of them was uh, Levante Karashesh just wide open. Chris Carroll going around the net, drawing all the defense. Karashesh coming down the back door. Potts at home. DePasco tried to sprawl out and... And st- and you know take a stab at it. It was for not. New Jersey wins four to three. Maryland does pick up a point in this one, which in the standings, pretty pretty crucial in that. But still, uh, you want to get those two. Look at a Pasco, thirty seven saves in the defeat. He was uh, he was tested early, tested often, and tested throughout in this one. So that makes uh, things go to Saturday. And man, this one was a little bit not great. Maryland again. You know, you know what? I can't say Maryland has just been penalty trouble. That would be a big misnomer. It didn't help their cause at all. Uh, both teams got a lot of power plays in Saturday's game. Uh, Fourteen combined power plays for each squad. But you look at it, and the power plays that New Jersey had, they connected on, especially in the first period. Michael Young, uh, he gets himself his twentieth of the year. Um, just picked up a rebound off a of Ryan Coughlin shot, put it past DePasco. And away they go. An extended power play um, that Maryland had, including a little bit of a 5-on-3, just could not could not uh, cash in on that. Next thing you know, Black Bears take a penalty, and here comes Anthony Calafiore. He just throws a backhand in front and, and just magical, just somehow eluded to Pasco's glove and his blocker, and away we go. It's 2 to nothing. Maryland's offense did not do too great in this one. Kind of a carryover from third period of Friday night's game. Only able to get one shot at even strength um, and the other four on the power play. So not great five-on-five to start the game nor to end the game uh, from last night. Uh, New Jersey kind of picked things up a little bit more in the second period. They kind of controlled this one. Uh, carryover double minor, but the black bear for the black bears trying to get back into it, but they were unable to only get two shots in that four minute extra man. 
not able to get much possession in the zone, not able to break in the zone as much, uh, and just you know be able to work things around, try to maneuver around. Didn't happen there. Uh, midway point, three to nothing for uh, for the Titans. Ryan Coughlin took a puck off for multiple rebounds in front, just tucked into the cage around the side of the net, um, and that's how that goes. Three to nothing at that point. Then with five fifteen remaining, Brenda Dumas just throws one at the cage, uh, you know, wiring it past uh, the Pasco four to nothing. Maryland was not without their uh, chances. I believe it was Brandon Peak who came across the crease. Andrew Takis, who played in this one, uh, was able to stick the left pad out and uh, to deny him. That was one of the better chances for the Black Bears. But uh, with uh, Dumas scoring that four nothing, it was kind of it was kind of little uh, griefing at that point. Down four, uh, including Tyler Young uh, getting into it with uh, David Posma. But all that did is my Young got an extra two for roughing, so it puts Maryland on the PK again, and then Maryland gets another call with four seconds remaining, a slashing, carrying over to the third period, and on that carryover, Coughlin, his second goal of the game on the power play. He was just at the side of the net. Billy Fesco had a little slap pass, and boom, pass to Pasco. It's five Cobb on that one. Maryland was able to break the shutout, however. A uh, sloppy turnover by New Jersey, who you know, I think after that fifth goal, they kind of got a little relaxed there. Maryland was starting to get a little bit more momentum, able to get into the offensive zone, able to create some chances. Uh, Brad McNeil capitalized on that sloppy turnover, however, putting it past Takis. It was 5-1. to one. Uh, Trying to build off that goal, not, you know, not uh, the sequences they wanted, couldn't get it past Takis. And then bad to worse in this one, Laker Aldridge, a five-minute major and a game misconduct after hitting Rocco Testabassi with the uh, with the uh, up against the head along the boards. The the camera didn't cut to it, um, but it didn't look great, and the reaction from everyone involved did not look great on that. So Maryland was on the power play at that one, so that made it four on four, and then the carryover on that, and then there was another penalty off of that one, so it was a four on five on three, and then Michael Young. Scores his second of the game. He becomes uh, he sandwiches this one as uh, he just pops one home. Makes no mistake. Cross ice pass. There he is, six to one, and that's how the game would end. As Maryland drops this one, a heartbreaking one, six to one. Luca DePasco, twenty eight saves in this one. As Maryland only comes away with one out of a possible four points, which is not great. As we turn to the standings right now, New Jersey they have clinched the uh, a playoff spot. So they are good to go. Maryland right now sitting in third. They are two points behind Johnstown, who they will not play the rest of the year. They are one point up on Northeast, who I don't think they play the rest of the year. And they are only uh, three points up on Jamestown in fifth, who they play twice, who they play four times over the next couple weeks. So any game right now is pivotal. Any point right now is pivotal. I mean, you look right now, uh, a five-game skid for the Black Bears, 2-6-1-1 one, one in their last 10. They are only three points up out of a playoff spot. They're one point uh, up on uh, on fourth place. They're only two points behind second place. But they're playing the main Nordiques next, and the Nordiques coming off a, uh, a big sweep this weekend. So they are... Looking for looking hot, even though they they're pretty much, um, I would say, mathematically out of it. They have to get sixty three points, so um, I'm thinking that that's uh, 
that's not going to happen there. So these are these are going to be tough games, especially up there in uh, in Lewiston. That's a tough place uh, to play. Maryland is is going to have to get their work boots on, bring their lunch pails, and get going. This is a a need for not only discipline but a killer instinct as well. I think that that's uh, those are two things that the Black Bears are going to need coming into the rest of the season. They only have uh, four weekends left. Yeah, Maine, then at Jamestown then back to Jersey, and then finish out at Jamestown. So four weekends left of hockey, one month, and then we possibly go to the playoffs. There is there is a, you know, there is an outside chance the Black Bears do not make the playoffs. So the idea right now is to win every game, get every point, and just start to play like you did in the first half of the season. A hell of a time to have a skid, but that's hockey, right? That is hockey and all this. It's ups and downs. It's left and rights. So now focus on Maine. Let New Jersey get out of the way. And then onward and upward from there. We will see how this goes going into uh, next week and what the results would possibly be. The women of the Naval Academy went to St. Louis as well. And they had themselves a national tournament, uh, you know, around Robin. And I like the D2 uh, ACHA way to go about things around Robin tournament, and then you have a final four. The winners out of the the winner with the best record out of each one, because I think of all of the four, there's going to have to be one loss um, in all of this, unless you have like overtime losses and then tiebreakers come into effect. But still, the round robin assures every team gets at least three games. You're not just going for one game and then have to bide your time for the other time that you're up there. Still. Uh, the Naval Academy going in as a number one rank in their little seating. They took on the University of Pittsburgh to start things off. And, you know, it got off to a little bit of a shaky start to begin with for the women as uh, Pittsburgh kind of put a lot of pressure on uh, to start the game off, knowing that they had to strike uh, fairly early uh, before Navy actually gets their uh, legs about them going forward. Nothing, nothing after one. Julia Chenoweth had some big saves. Navy started to wake up. Uh, closer to the end of the frame, especially uh, with a late uh, a late power play towards the end, building momentum off of that. And speaking of the power play, that was pretty crucial in this one as Navy gets on the board first at 6.07. Uh, Michaela Stangle with the uh, boom clap, as uh, no one calls it, uh, from the point. A great, uh, a great setup from uh, Marguerite Sillinger, and that's a power play goal, one to nothing. Naval Academy. Then Navy gets into a little bit of penalty trouble. The penalty kill, though, however, able to kill that off. Uh, really good job by the penalty killers, making sure that nothing really got into the house there uh, to really threaten Julia Chenoweth. But uh, Pitt sneaks one through. Katrina Hernandez, just a bouncing puck off a faceoff. The flex off uh, a Naval uh, Naval Academy defenseman in front over the blocker of Chenoweth, and it's a tie game. In this one, but then the third period, you want to talk about total domination. Third period, Naval Academy only yielded one shot on a net. They were able to uh, procure three goals in this one. It starts off with uh, Lauren Power just hopping off the bench. Uh, and next thing you know, she gets herself a, a nice little goal from the top of the circles. It is two to one. Elizabeth Perry and Brooke Gauthier on the assist here. Then five minutes later on the power play, Elizabeth Perry puts one home uh, off the side of, uh, side of the side of the I can't remember what, but she puts it home, 
Uh, no, that's the next one was the side of the net. Perry, uh, Lauren Power, and uh, Quinn Ramos with the assist in that. And then with under five minutes remaining, Christina Cornelio with the power play goal just at the side of the net, banging it home off the off the end boards there. And uh, Quinn Ramos with her second assist of the game. That would do it for Navy. 4-1 to one victory. Chenoweth with 11 saves in this one as they moved on to uh, face the number three seed, Adrian College. A little bit more of a fight in this one, and, and not the best of starts for Navy, as uh, Adrian College puts on 20 shots in the first frame overall. Uh, a heck of a heck of a workload for Julia Chenoweth uh, to get things going, but she was equal to the task, shutting them down uh, in this uh, in this instance. And while uh, they were not able to, uh, you know, they they gave up a lot of shots. They convert it when they needed to, did Navy. 8.47 in, Brooke Gautier with uh, a power play goal. Power play working like a charm. Uh, low circle, just down around the low circle. Pots at home, kind of a near, uh, a rough angle on the power play, but gets it home uh, for the uh, first goal for Navy, unassisted. And then uh, the second, just minutes later, again, only nine shots for Navy in the frame. They were able to convert three times. Uh, Christina Cornelio again. Uh, she pots home her second of the tournament. A big power move just down the left side and cutting across in the crease, putting it home for two to nothing uh, lead. And then Gautier again with uh, only with under three minutes remaining. Just a seeing eye shot from the top of the circle, deflected in front for her second of the game and of the tournament. Navy up three to nothing despite being outshot twenty to nine in this so a very good start to things going adrian uh, college got into a little bit of penalty trouble but that's also when they capitalize olivia stevens gets their first goal just after the halfway point of the second period just breaks in and then away we go for that uh it's a it's not a great goal but you know what can you do you get, it happens again hockey Navy will get it back in the third period, 3.29 into the frame, and Marguerite Schillinger with a nice little move, just breaking down the ice uh, all by her lonesome, a little deep move, a nice little uh, uh, a deep to the backhand, cutting back to her forehand. Defender went flying, uh, and she rips one home over the shoulder of the Adrian goalie. It is to 4-1 Navy in this one. Uh Adrian College still trying to fight back, putting shots on, getting some, uh, but not doing themselves any service. It, it turned a little turned a little rough there towards the end, including the last goal from Kristen Culverson. Uh, a Navy player got decked in the side of the head, and then no call, nothing at all, and Adrian goes in and scores. It's 4-2. It's Adrian uh, popping nine penalties in this game. Uh, sorry, eight. Yeah, no, that's nine. That's how you do math. Nine penalties in this game. But they could not beat Navy 4-2 to the final. And this one, Chenoweth with 41 saves in this one. A huge effort for her, especially in the first period, keeping this team in it. And then the team just, you know, not letting that shot count get to them. Able to muster three goals, just using their speed. I think that was a key part in this game, being able to outskate Adrian um, and just, you know, be able to maneuver around them. And then that's your victory. There you go. So going into the final game, 2-0. They took on Dakota College Botano. That is not too far from where I am. And by not too far, that could be like four, four hours. I don't know where Botano is. Um, 
I lived in the state six years. I got no idea what's going on with this place. Let me actually uh, map quest this whole deal. And yeah, it's 195 miles away from me. It's on the western side of this. It's near the Minot. It's not too far. It's north northeast of Minot, right by the border. So there you go. And where Botano is, eventually. Uh, in any case, uh, two and O teams. Winner of this one, they will go on to the uh, the final four in the D two situation. No scoring in the first. Literally a deadlock at shots eleven and eleven. Both teams trying to get a, a jump out on each other, knowing uh, how this game is going to go. Uh, and then the second period, Botano just turned it on a little bit more offensively, uh, out shooting Navy fifteen to eight, getting a little more advantages. They get a power play goal six sixteen into the game. Uh, or into the second period, uh, Trinity Tanner, uh, just a big hammer, just a huge shot, uh, goes right by Chenna with its one to nothing, and then with under five remaining, Zoe Couples, uh, just seeing I puck finds its way in, it's two to nothing for Botano. Uh, Navy tried to storm back the best they can, unfortunately though. Um, they couldn't get too much going with what they were given. Uh, Eleven shots in the third period. Uh, it was uh, definitely something where uh, Botno was just shutting things down, trying to lock things up. And, I mean, that's uh, for them, that's obviously what they had to do. So Navy just kept persisting, though, but with a delayed call. And this was probably for about 30 seconds. They were able to possess the puck, even taking shots on. Taking shots and being able to regain the puck before Botno was able to touch it was just masterful in that situation. They garnered it up. Elizabeth Perry swats one home uh, in front after a couple rebounds. Her second of the tournament with 136 remaining. Uh, you know, Navy looking to make the comeback. They go ahead and take call their timeout, try to scheme something up, but nothing were to happen in this one. Unable to get the equalizer, uh, and that's all she wrote on this one. Navy drops a heartbreaker 2-1 to one to Dakota College Bontenot and thus ends their national tournament, and thus ends their season. And we'll talk about uh, what they did last year in the last year next week uh, when we go clubbing for our season in review uh, segment. But uh, tip of the cap to the Naval Academy, uh, the women's team just doing just laying great groundwork this year. Their first year in the DVCHC, um, they just had a heck of a run in this one, getting to nationals, winning the DVCHC. You know, they they did a masterful job. They did. A, I think that's nothing to hang their heads about. Uh, hopefully, they're not. Hopefully, they're able to uh, take the pride in this one and go forward. But they did a hell of a job. So, congratulations uh, to the uh, the team here. And hopefully. This is the start of a trend, and we start seeing Navy being continue to be the powerhouse they are in the DVCHC, and then going to nationals uh, here, there, and everywhere. It'd be nice to uh, see them uh, go and get the recognition they get from our uh, uh, from what we see on a weekly basis. Let's do some uh, good old around the way with some of these teams here. A nice little wrap up for the uh, the end of the season as we get going and uh, look ahead to next year. The uh, the team Maryland, it's uh they are it's hard for me to to say the team Maryland, uh, thinking it's the Maryland some things, but no, team Maryland they uh, finished their season uh, last week and it was a tough one. They had a uh, 
They had a tough go about it in the second half of the season. They started off strong, wins in nine of their first 13 games. They were rolling there. They were actually, uh, you know, when they have underperformed in showcases before, they've gone up to New England and had a hell of a time and getting some, got some wins, making some noise in this one, and then circumstances have a funny way of going things. After a three-game win streak, uh, Team Maryland just goes on a, uh, a skid of uh, six games and then into the playoffs. It was uh, not not a fun time, I think, overall. This is a team who was in first place for a good majority of the season, and then just something happened, you know? It, it's Like I've said, again, I guess the theme of the story is that's just hockey. I mean, you get teams that just know how you, – you see enough teams, you're going to learn their intricacies, and you're going to be able to adjust, and just some teams adapted a little bit better to what Team Maryland was doing. Uh, than a tother way round. And, you know, they had the best season in team history, which is awesome. Uh, they had a lot of commits, which is awesome. So I think overall you can think think of this as, in a developmental way, uh, a great season for this team. And I think that that is crucial. I think more, and I th- this is what I have to keep reminding myself in all of this when, when I'm, I'm uh, watching the games, this is all about developmental of how the players are going to develop into college, into pros, into whatever. So I think when you when you take a step back from just wins and losses and the fanaticism uh, that is sports in general to see what these players are doing developmentally, I think takes a it that's the that's the forest for the trees in this situation. So after that's out of the way, uh, a lot to be a lot to be uh, grand about for Team Maryland, led the way by Alex Newton, who had a a sneakily good season, a quiet good season from the point. Um, Twelve power play points this year, two two goals and ten assists, a shorthanded goal uh, for thirty five thirty five points this year for him, including twenty six assists, tied for the team lead with Nick Graziano, who started off in a big big way. I think that his uh, his start kind of helped uh, Maryland in that first run there. He had 17 goals leading the team and 18 assists, including six goals on the power play. He was second only to Jacob Kaczynski, who had seven power play goals. Seven of his 11 uh, were on the power play. And then Evan Donnelly, who was a heart and soul player of this team, who has been with this team since the inception, I do believe. Um, now, I don't, think he, I, I don't know if he played that first year, but I know he's played the last three, so... Uh, five goals, uh, five of his 14 came on the power play as well. Will Rosen had a great year, 12 goals, 19 assists. Uh, Patrick Doyle as well, 15 and 17 for him, including nine points on the power play. Uh, and then Bobby Geyer was another outstanding uh, young man, 12 goals, 16 assists, uh, including two shorthanded assists in this. So I think overall when you look at it, it was a – uh, a heck of a time for Team Maryland. Everybody was able to get at least two points this season. I think that that's huge when you're dishing out, um, dishing out the the stats and stuff like that. The fact that everyone who played on that roster was able to get at least two points of the season shows that this team had depth. Shows that this team was able to, you know, if there was someone, you know, on the top two scoring lines, it just couldn't get it done. Some guys would slot in from the bottom six and be able to pop in goals, or guys from the point were able to pop in goals. It was a total team effort in this one. Goaltending wise, uh, you know, we had uh, we had Jackson uh, Bernard finish out the season coming over from Apple Corps. 
uh, put into an interesting situation. Gideon Sullivan did not play for the second half, I believe, due to injury. So uh, that was a uh, that was an interesting situation uh, to to deal with there. Colin Burke was able to get some uh, few games into uh, into this year, and that was uh, pretty big for him coming out of Spalding like that. Um, and I mean the uh, the whole situation with uh, John Werber going off the school immediately after uh, after the, uh, the the semester break, going to SUNY Potsdam. That's pretty cool for him. Uh, he was uh, rock solid in goal for Team Maryland and uh, helped them out a ton in terms of that first half of the season as well. But like I said, in a development sense, I think that this was very big for um, for Team Maryland just to have all the players that they did commit. I mean, you had Alex Newton commit to UMass Dartmouth. He was the latest one. They were just going in reverse order because that's how the news thing pots it up. Evan Donnelly committing to Framingham. Uh, Bobby Geyer to Alvernia. Uh, like I said, Werber to SUNY Potsdam. Will Rosen committing to St. Anselm. Uh, Nick Graziano to Wilkes University. It was a huge situation for this team. It was one of those things that to be able to get that uh, get that in there and to get these players committed and have them, you know, you know, make their career last longer on the college level is huge. And that's that's a huge part to on the ice and off the ice and all that, everything in between. So as a development thing, it was great. I think you were able to plug more players into college, and that's awesome. It shows what the program has to offer. And, you know, it, you know, it wasn't a bad season. They made it to the playoffs. They had good runs. It was just circumstances. And that's the way it goes. Team Maryland should, have, uh, should be um, great. I think it's in really good hands. I think Josh Fusco has done a great job. Behind the bench, I think he's done a great job bringing the right players in that gel and connect. So I think that this has been a uh, uh, overall net gain uh, this season for the uh, for the team Maryland, and I'm very interested to see what they do going into next season as well. On the college side of things, Stevenson University's men's squad had um, boy, they had a hell of a season, did they not? They uh, they had a great build off of what they were creating last season and it did get to a little bit of a rough start. They did drop a couple games in November. They were uh they they had some uh situations but by and large this team just went on streaks, man. Uh 16 winning streak going into semester break. Then came back, had a little bit of a skid uh before going on a a nine game winning streak before the end of the season. Um, and that included in that nine-game winning streak was also coming off of COVID um, uh, pauses for their team. So they had some rescheduled games, and so they had like there's times they had three games in a week, and that's uh, like back-to-back weeks. That's like six games and you know, six games in a matter of ten days. That's pretty huge for this team to be able to have that kind of streak and go forward with it. Of course, um, the quarterfinals not as they wanted it. They drop it to drop to Manhattanville in the first round. But in you know in the grand schemes, eighteen seven and one, going fourteen and four in conference. I mean that's huge. I mean this is a team that was building off of what they had last year and the year before. Again, Ryan Kenny was uh, this one of the stars of this one with a uh, eighteen six and one record, um, a uh, nine twenty five save percentage, and a two uh, two thirty nine goals against average. Defensive player of the year for a reason. So he was huge in this one. But Ryan Patrick had himself a nice little swan song as well. 26 points in 26 games. 
Uh, that was huge for him to have on his send-off, breaking the record for uh, team uh, team and points uh, over four seasons. He signed a pro contract with Peoria, so uh, always good to advance players that way. Frank Fatucci with a uh, with a solid season coming back down from uh, D1 in University of Alabama, Huntsville. 12 goals uh, led the team in that marker, including three power play goals and two, uh, two shorthanded goals to go as well. Four game-winning goals for Fertucci. He was Johnny on the spot late. Liam McCanny coming in for his freshman year, finishes third in scoring in this one. 17 points tied with Brandon Rylott um, on the uh, forward side. Six goals for McCanny, 11 assists. And uh, three power play goals tied with Fatucci in that one. Also, Alex Rive, freshman, uh, had three power play goals up front as well. But by and large, this is the team that is built for the future. I mean, they have a lot of, you know, a couple seniors going out. I mean, you had uh, Ryan Patrick, Chad Watt, who was always good for a clutch goal in this. Uh, Luke Benitez, who was a big body in front of the net. Uh, and you have a lot of those guys going out, but this is a very healthy young roster. Mac Lowry had, uh, you know, he had six goals this season after a, a huge freshman, or, yeah, freshman season, first-year season, I should say, uh, if we're being correct about that. But I think that he's going to have, he's bound to have a bounce-back year next year. Uh, McCanny's a freshman, or was a freshman. McCanny was a first-year Um Rive was a first year. Austin Masters is going to be one of the guys up front as this uh, upperclassman class. Malcolm Palmer was a first year. There's a lot of players here that are going to be great for this build going forward for Dominic Dawes and this team. So it, you have one more year, maybe two more years of Ryan Kenny uh, before he goes off to the pros because you got to bet that he is just he, – teams are looking at that. A right-handed catch guy who is sound in net and who I believe I've seen play with shorts on and nothing on his leg pads. That was weird when we went to see him, but uh, that is, uh, you know, goaltenders, weird. So, a lot to build off with Stevenson for the men's side. It was a, uh, a, good, a good season overall, and, you know, we will see what they do with that last year with Ryan Kenny and some of the other uh, uh, seniors as well as what these – underclassmen can do as they start to take a more prominent role on this roster. They could be one of the younger teams going into next season, but I think that that leads to a little bit more of excitement, uh, not to mention the players that could be coming in uh, for next year as well. So an interesting time out there in Reisterstown for the men's squad. Shifting focus to the women's squad in this one, and they had a bit of a a bit of a tough one to start off with. I mean, they didn't, uh, they had their first trips up to some exhibition games against Trine and Adrian didn't go well, but they came back strong against Newman, had a little bit of a skid there. And then after the Codfish Bowl, they kind of took off a little bit. Had three games, uh, three game winning streak going into the semester break, which was great. Had a couple of rescheduled games uh, from earlier in the year that they had to take on uh, back-to-backs in that one. But towards the end of the season, they got pretty, pretty warm, um, including a four-game winning streak there at the end of January to really position themselves good in the MAC uh, standings, which they took home yet another MAC championship. <clears throat> but overall, the team the team was pretty good, all things considered. I think that um, given the, the heartbreak of last year um, and you were able to get a lot of those players back, but this, is, this was also a very – this was an older team. This is a team that you had Trin Barkless back uh, for a senior season, for her fifth season. Um, T. Ferreira 
was uh, back for a senior season. Nikki Kendrick, Allie Gibson, uh, Elizabeth Goudreau, Paige Sullivan. A lot of key players in this one. Um, Brianna Crossan. A lot of key players that were kind of, uh, you know, were, were the leadership of this one, and now they will have to, uh, you know, move on without uh, to see where this team is going. But I think the other classmen are in very good shape. Uh, Carly Aguirre is going to be coming back with uh, as as a uh, senior leader. Uh, Cassie Campbell played very well this year with eight points as a, as a uh, sophomore. So that's uh, two game-winning goals for her as well. Callie Jo Zagula will uh, be another prominent uh, uh, upperclassman next year uh, for the uh, for the Green Horses here. But there's plenty to work with here. There's plenty of uh, great talent uh, from you know the underclassmen, and I think this is going to be a solid year for this team um, moving forward. Their goaltending in Olivia DeGuire and uh, Aslin King took uh, took shape very well with uh, with DeGuire having a 2.76 goals against and a 9.07 save percentage. Um, I think that that's big for uh, for them moving forward. And Aslin King. Um, just having a 750 win percentage is pretty dang good, I would say, as well uh, when she's in net. Uh, so I think that this is a team that is uh, on good footing moving forward. I think Tori Amoff has done very well with the recruiting classes and, again, kind of bringing in the people that are going to gel. But with the uh, the turnover it's going to be this year, it's going to be a lot of the former underclassmen trying to take a new role uh, Hannah Labby, uh, Caitlin Reed are going to be called upon a lot more. Aslan Bray uh, is probably going to anchor that defense a lot more on uh, in her senior season. So it will be interesting to see where this team goes. Interesting to see how uh, we get there. So I will be uh, obviously we'll be tuned in for this and to see what kind of uh, prospects come up for next season to replace the uh, the departing players. So a lot of fun in Reisterstown about to happen next season. Let's get to some players. And we'll start off with uh, a big signing out of college. Patrick Giles has signed a, uh, has, has foregone his uh, COVID season. He has signed with the AHL's uh, Charlotte Checkers. They are the affiliate of both the Florida Panthers and the Seattle Kraken. And, uh, you know, Giles had a interesting season, stepped up as a leader uh, this year and uh, had a career high 22 points. Uh, for the uh, for the Golden Eagles in this one, he is going to get his money there. See what he can do. No points as of yet in only two games, but awesome to see the Chevy Chase Maryland native get himself a, a nice little nice little bump into the AHL and then go forward from that. See where that takes him uh, over the off season here. Sam Adams didn't have a uh, breakout week that he did last week, but he did get one assist this Saturday against the. Uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms putting him at 47 points on the season. That's currently second on the team uh, behind Matthew Pekka, so just by two points on that. Nathan Walker, the Aussie, is uh, creeping up from down under. So uh, good on Annis to just be able to shift teams like this and kind of pick up the pace and just, you know, do his natural ability to, uh, you know, just be the setup man. Stephen Halliday just keeps continuing to score and score and score. Had a, a five-point weekend in only two games, two goals, three assists against the uh, Muskegon Lumberjacks. Uh, unfortunately, both in uh, losing settings for Dubuque, but currently sitting at uh, 77 points, 30 goals, 47 assists, and only 51 games for the Fighting Saints. 
as they're uh, they're winding down their season. Uh, just about ten games to go in their season. Bryce Montgomery becoming an offensive powerhouse here as uh, he gets himself two assists in two games this week. Uh, one against the Saginaw Spirit on Friday night, then on Saturday, a uh, an assist in a ten to four loss to um, Sarnia. In that, but Montgomery getting some uh, shedding a little bit of that defensive defenseman trait and getting himself some assist, uh, three assists, four points on the year, including that elusive first goal that he got earlier in the season. So things are looking good for the Carolina Hurricanes prospect. Evan Orloff had a big game on Sunday, even though it was in a loss for the Maine Nordiques. Gets a, a goal and an assist in the win in or in the loss in overtime. Uh, so, helping out the Black Bears did Maine with the uh, two uh, two out of three against Northeast, uh, and Orloff contributing in that Sunday game. The Kensington, Maryland native uh, from St. Albans School chipping in here and there for the Maine Nordiques. Aaron Randazzo uh, sat on a couple of losses there. Didn't play either full game in uh, against the Madison Capitals in the home and home they had this weekend. Friday night gave up five goals on 14 shots. Saturday gave up two goals on 11. I think he came in relief on Saturday. Um, that pushes his record to 12, 17, and 2 with a 365 and an 889 percentage on that. And Andrew Takis, we uh, we know what he did. <laughs> we He knows what he did. 21 saves in Saturday night's victory over the Black Bears. Um you know that pushes his record to twenty-seven, five and two, nine nineteen, save percentage of two forty-two goals against. And I will say this: um, because they have a lot of Maryland content on their team, it's it's hard for me to really hate the New Jersey Titans. But at the same time, I want the Black Bears to beat them, so you can see the bind I'm in. But um, Takis doing doing well. You know he could have his name called at the end of the year for. Uh, for some honors. Uh, so, you know, congrats to him and all that. I mean, he's worked hard to get to this point. So, uh, you know, daps and head taps to him for uh, being able to do that. And before we get going, I want to talk about the Mount St. Charles 18U AAA team that has no less than three players on their uh, on their roster. Sorry, two. Yeah, three. There are no less than three players. That is true. Because it's Cameron O'Neill. It's, uh, it's uh, Micah Berger who I've forgotten all year, and I apologize, Micah, um, and Jack Spicer. Starting with Spicer in this, and he's played uh, he's played pretty, uh, fairly solid, I would say, for his uh, for being a 17-year-old in a, uh, a big AAA uh, league like this. Uh, for the AnyPac 18U, which I guess the Northeast Pacific, Pacific Division, I'm not sure. Played five games, 294 goals against, and a 900 save percentage. No record on that one. But playing in other AAA, 18U AAA, uh, 250 goals against, 912 save percentage, 13-4-4 record. That's uh, that's pretty good. I, I would I would venture to say that's a pretty good uh, stat line <laughs> there for that one. Uh, Micah Berger, who uh, we, you know, didn't, like I said, kind of, didn't uh, get to, and that's on me. Uh, the Bethesda, Maryland native and uh, former St. Albans school uh, standout, just just really turning it on this year. Um, he's a Miami University commit, so he'll be playing over there with uh, uh, Mr. Hampus Ridequist soon. 
And my goodness, nine nine points in nine games in the any pack situation, uh, three goals, six assists. But the rest of the AAA, my goodness gracious, uh, forty one games played, twenty one goals, forty eight assists for sixty nine points. Nice. Uh, so that is huge, huge for this. I mean, like honestly, the 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 team, the the players that Maryland is churning out right now, be wary, man. Like everyone should take notice. Get on the get on the ground floor right now, especially a kid like Micah Berger, who is who for me, uh, just kind of snuck under the radar. But man, twenty one goals and sixty nine points in the season—that's insane. If you add that to seventy eight points in fifty games, goodness gracious! And that's not to say anything of of the 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 final O'Neill, Cam O'Neill, who in the same any pack situation. Uh, nine goals in nine games, three assists for 12 points, and then the rest of the time, 40 games he's played, 36 goals, 77 points. Uh, if you're doing the math right at home, uh, it is uh, 89 points in 49 games for the UMass uh, commit, and he still has another year left to see uh, what kind of juniors that he can play. Uh, <clears throat> not for nothing. Not for nothing. I'm not going to say it. But you know, think think with me, think with me. He lives. He was born in Odenton. Mm. In any case, a big year for all three of those uh, Maryland players who uh, ended up on the same team and just going through life, having a hell of a time right now. Uh, and I expect big things. Like I said, Maryland's churning out players, players in a big, big way. And I think that this is. Uh, this is huge for the state as a whole, and I think that you, you know, jump on board, enjoy it. It's going to be a hell of a ride for Maryland hockey as the sport continues to grow thanks to the Black Bears, thanks to the Capitals, thanks to Stevenson University, thanks to the Navy's uh, run. I mean, everyone around. Like, I think that this, this, is, this is a golden age of hockey in Maryland, and we're living in it at the moment until the next golden age happens, like a few years down the road when all this starts to blossom. So... Um, happy to have you guys aboard. Uh, that's it. We're done our show. I'm done hyping up Maryland hockey and this whole bit because this sh- shouldn't have been as long as the show as it should have been for two teams playing games. Um, but you can check out all the social media stuff on uh, Chesapeake HW Pod on Facebook and Twitter, clutchandcrabhockey.com. I say I'm going to write things there. I might. Who's to say? Um, so check that out when you have the ability to. Uh, but that's it. That's all. I'm Scotty Wallace. Take care of yourself and someone else. This has been Chesapeake Hockey Week, uh, part of the Face Off Hockey Show Media Faction and PodcastMonsters.com. Uh, you guys have a great week. Uh, go play that clutch and crab hockey. Be safe, be well, and I'll talk to you all next time through. Peace.